Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 47, it says this. When he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Now let's go to Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. This is about Peter. It says this. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance when... And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him, saw Peter seated there in the firelight. He looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. These are the words. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So we are on a series called Jesus Wins, and we're talking about four iconic moments that happen in the, the passion period of the life of Jesus, which ends in his resurrection. That's why it's called Jesus Wins, because that's the spoiler alert, right? Grand finale, Jesus Wins. We talked last week about Gethsemane. Today we're going to talk about Peter and Judas. Then we're going to talk about the triumphal entry, and then finally the resurrection. And now, you may hear this message and these topics or moments in the life of Jesus, and you may say, Pastor, we've already talked about these things, like they're familiar stories, but as you have noticed in this message series, we're not going to focus on the historicity of these events, but we're going to talk about how these moments relate to you in your life. As someone once said, a theologian once said, the interesting thing about the scripture is not just that, they, that these things happened, but that they happen. So last week we were talking about Gethsemane, and, and we, we were talking about this whole idea that we are all in our proverbial Gethsemane, which is this, this fight between, between our will and the will of the Father, right? Constantly, we're like trying to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to do what my flesh wants, or am I going to do what God is asking me to do? And we talked last week about, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose comfort, or are you going to choose purpose? And we said that most people sacrifice purpose on the altar of comfort. So today we're going to talk about Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas, these two disciples of Jesus. Have you ever, um, have you ever met people who are just binary? Now I don't mean that. I know we talk about non-binary. Comes like there's like a sexual um, connotation to it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about binary people, people who it's either black or white. It's like, oh, this guy is the best. Have you met this guy? Oh, my gosh, he's the best guy I've ever met. But this other one, oh, no, he's like the worst guy. Like there's no middle ground. You go to a restaurant, oh, my gosh, that's the best food I've ever tried. And on the opposite side, it's like never, ever go to that restaurant because that is the worst food I have ever tasted. You go to a movie, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that movie changed my life, Right? And this other movie, you know, that is the worst movie. I wanted to die when I watched it because it was just the worst thing ever. Have you met people like that? Like there's no middle ground. It's either great or it's terrible. 
Movies in the 80s were like that, right? There was the good guy and there was the bad guy, right? The bad guy would lose. Why? Because he was the bad guy. The good guy would win because he was the good guy. So it was simple, right? It was simple. It was binary. Everything was either one or the other. Politically, too, right? We have this this tendency to kind of just, there's nothing good about this side. Everything on this side is totally bad. And on this side, everything is just the best, right? Have you ever noticed that? I uh, remember the, uh, the debates between uh, Hillary and Trump. I mean, it was amazing. It was so divided. And I remember there was this, there was this d- debate. I remember which one it was. It was one of the, I think it was two or three debates. And there was, Hillary is all bad, Trump is all good, or Trump is all bad. And Hillary, like, it's, it was just so divided, you know. And there was this, this interviewer that asked a question, this reporter. I don't know if you guys remember this. He said, that he asked this question. He says, is there anything that you could say that you actually admire about one another. And they were just, both of them were just like taken back. Like they, it took them a while to think about it, but the, 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 the thing that was so um, brilliant about that question is that it unveiled the absurdity of binary thinking. You know, how can one candidate be all bad? Like even what they, what they dream is bad or what they think is bad or what they breathe or what they eat, like everything, really everything, come on. You can't find one little thing. See, binary thinking is appealing because you don't have to think. You don't have to empathize. You just shut the other side down. You know, you put them in a category. Like, I don't have to deal with that. I think that that's, um, that's not a good way of thinking. And, and, and the reason why I bring all that up is because I think that we can fall into the same trap when we're studying the scriptures. You know, when we think about the Bible characters, they're either, they're either good or bad right? They're either the hero or the villain. They're either loved or, or hated, right? It's binary. That's how I, that's how I grew up in, uh, uh, in, in church, the lessons that I, would, that I would hear. Same with Peter and Judas, you know. Judas was the bad guy. Peter was the good guy. Peter was loved by Jesus. Judas betrayed him. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Judas was a traitor. Peter was the hero of the faith. Judas was an embarrassment to the faith. Simple. You don't have to think about it. There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. It was simple, right? But what I want to do today is I want to, I want to push back a little bit on that idea. And by doing this, I hope to, to show you that binary thinking is not the way that we should think as we read the scriptures because it is not the way that Jesus thought. In fact, I would argue that if, that if Jesus thought in terms of, of good and bad, um, we would all be condemned. You see, what I hope to, that we will discover today is that Peter and Judas have much more in common than it is comfortable for many of us to admit. I'll explain this. I think many of what, what you believe makes Judas the bad guy is probably not what you think. And what you believe that makes Peter the good guy is probably not what you think either. And the same is true for us. So let me ask you a question. In your story, in your particular story, what are you? Are you the good guy or are you the bad guy? And if you're the good guy, what is it in your mind that makes you good? And if you're the bad guy, what is it in your mind that makes you bad? You see, I grew up believing that the goal of a Christian was, was, it was, it was all reduced to this idea, be as good as possible because Jesus loves good people. 
So be as good as possible so that Jesus will love you more. And I also would assume that, that Jesus didn't love Judas because he was bad, right? And that Jesus did love Peter because he was good. Binary. But listen to what Jesus has to say about this. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2, verse 17. This is, this is Jesus eating a meal with tax collectors and sinners. And so the Pharisees come up and they're watching him eating with, you know, these sinful people and they have a question for him. He's like, what? He actually asked one of the disciples. He's like, why does he eat with, with sinners and tax collectors? On hearing this, Jesus says to them, listen to this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What does this mean? Well, he was telling the Pharisees that were there. He's like, I didn't come for you. Like, like I, I didn't come for you, right? Um, and this was not a compliment. He's like, I am not here for, for you. Have you ever not felt welcomed in a place? It's kind of an uncomfortable thing. Well, that's exactly how they felt in that moment. He was basically saying, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you at this table? Why did you show up in this space? And the question that Jesus asked the the Pharisees is the same question that I want to ask today to all of us. Why are you here? Why, why am I here? Why have we come into this, this space, this proverbial table, right? Let me ask you, are you healthy or are you sick? Are you a sinner or are you righteous? Because if you're healthy and righteous, Jesus tell you, tells you, I didn't come for you. Um, why are you here? If you're healthy, why are you here? I didn't come for you. If you are righteous, why are you here? I didn't come for you. You see, there's no room at the table for the righteous and for the healthy. Really. And, and what, what Jesus was telling the Pharisees, because he, here's what the Pharisees thought. They were like, oh, yeah, we're the healthy ones. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're the ones who are righteous. And so there was almost like a compliment. Yeah, he's here for these sin people. He's like, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is you think that you're healthy and you, you think that you're righteous. And, and as, as long as you don't admit that, there's no room for you here. Jesus came to save sinners. That's why he came. So I ask you the same question. Why are you here? Why am I here? Imagine you're at a hospital. There's a car accident. You have a broken leg and you're, you're bleeding out and you're in the hospital. You can barely walk and you're just bleeding out and you're, you're in pain. Doctor comes up and says, hey man, you need help. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm fine. I'll just, you know what? I'll just kind of you know, I'll move it around a little bit. It's like, no, that's a broken leg. You're bleeding out. This is not good. You're going to die. And that's, no, no, no. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm okay, you know. Um, let me just put a Band-Aid on it, and I'll, I'll be on my way. Why are you here? Why did you show up at the hospital if you're not, if you're not, if you're not even admitting that you need help? Why are you here? You see, these were the Pharisees. And Jesus' point is that we are all spiritually broken. 
And the only ones that will receive healing are those who will admit that they need it. Um, this is what it means to put your faith in Jesus, by the way. You see, the Pharisees thought that they were, they were the good guys. The Gentiles thought that they were the bad guys. This, is, this binary thinking has no place in the kingdom of God. You see, there, there are no good guys and bad guys. The Bible tells us there are only bad guys. That's it. That's all that there is. Jesus came only for bad people because bad people is all that there is. And it's only by this admittance, or admitting of your badness that qualifies you to ever be seen as good in the eyes of God. If you don't need a Savior, then why are you here? You see, the proper response to Jesus is simply this. Oh, God, I need help. I need help. That's it. If, you're not, if that's not you, if that's not me, you have not created space to, to heal, to be saved by Jesus. You can't be saved from anything you don't need saving from. You see, there are actually two types of people in the world. You may assume, yeah, good people and bad people. That's binary thinking. Well, not according to Jesus. There are only two types of people. Yes, but bad people who know that they're bad and bad people who think that they're good. There's no place in the kingdom for, for bad people who think that they're good. That's the definition of hypocrisy. If you look at your life and think, I'm pretty good. You're not looking hard enough. Maybe you can ask the people around you. They'll help you. Right? They'll be happy to say, you know what? You're not that great. But there's always room. Listen to this. There's always room at the table for those bad people who know that they're bad. Because only by knowing that you are bad will you feel the need to call on the name of the Lord. And these are the people that Jesus came for. And that's why we are here, by the way. You see, we think that what makes Peter good is that he was a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. So was Judas. We think that Judas was bad because he betrayed Jesus. Well, so did Peter. In fact, I would argue Peter's betrayal was just as bad or worse than Judas's. Because Judas betrayed Jesus once for 30 pieces of silver and Peter betrayed Jesus three times for free. And you and I betray Jesus every single time we sin. When we answer with anger, when we have a bad thought, when we lust, when we greed, when, we have, when, when we're envious. I know that we would love to believe that we are good people because we come to church every Sunday, right? But we're not. Isaiah 64 says that even our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags before the Lord. Even the, the good that we present to God or, or we help people, that's, all, that's tainted. It's still tainted with like, like oh, I want to be seen or I have a little bit of ego. This, everything that we do, even the good that we do, has sin in it. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10, says this, As it is written, there is no one righteous. No one, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. And so here's the thing. You see, G, uh, Judas and, and Peter were more similar to each other than we would like to admit. And I, I agree. 
I, I agree that it would be so much easier to just think of this story as binary, right? Just one's bad and one's good, but that is not the case. It's not that one is good and the other is bad, but the reality is that neither Peter nor Judas nor you nor me have been saved, healed, because we are good. No, we have been saved and healed because he is good. That's it. So, amen. <laughs> so with everything that has been said, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? If you are a good guy, what makes you good? And if you are a bad guy, what makes you bad? The logic is this. A good guy is good because of the good things that he does. And a bad guy is a bad guy because of all the bad things that he does. So at the end of the day, we think, this is logic. This is what I grew up believing. At the end of the day... We present ourselves before God, and he's going to look at all the list of the good things that we did and all the list of the bad things that he did. He's going to weigh them. He's like, yeah, you were better than bad, so you can come in. That is not what the Bible teaches. The reality is that we become good in the eyes of God only and exclusively by putting our faith in the one who is good. He was the only one that was good, fully healthy, fully righteous, and his name is Jesus. He says the only thing that qualifies you to be approved, to be loved, to be accepted, to be welcomed, to be invited into the family is by admitting that you are sick and you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You see, Peter and Judas were both disciples of Jesus. Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus. Peter, Peter's life ended in forgiveness and purpose. Judas's life ended in suicide. Why the difference? The only difference is this. One of them admitted that they were a sinner in need of a Savior. Only one of them admitted that they were sick and needed a healer. So that's it. So the question is not, are you good or bad? Because we're all going to fail that test. The question is, have you admitted that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? If the answer is yes, then you know why you're here. Jesus came for you. So the question for Peter and Judas is the same question for you and me today. Not how good can you be, but have you admitted that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? That's the only question that matters. Because only then do you create space, a space, for Jesus to come into your life and actually save you. So, have you? That's the question I want to ask you today. I'm going to end with this. So maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe this is your first time. I don't know. But maybe you, you, you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this is your day. And so I want to ask you a question, um, or actually more of a statement. So life is like a milk carton, right? It's like, it's got an expiration date on it. You're not going to be here forever. Like, we know that, okay? And making Jesus the Lord of your life is, is as easy as A, B, C. Accept, believe, confess. So if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, actually, I'm going to ask you if we can all close our eyes. If we could just bow our heads. 
And I'm going to ask this question to you today. Because maybe you're here today and this is the day where you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And if that is you, you want to do this, you want to open your heart to Christ, I want to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. So, Lord God, we, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your presence. We thank you, God, because you have reminded us today, you have reminded us this morning what it's all about. We have, you have reminded us why you came, and you have reminded us why we're here. All sinners and all sick people who need healing are welcome to the table. So I thank you, Lord God, for all these hands that were raised. I thank you because they have made the decision to open their hearts to you, to make you the Lord of their lives. I thank you for all of them. I pray blessings on their lives. I pray that they will continue to come into this space to be fed and deepen their relationship with you. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, amen. Amen.